Welcome to the Disrupting Obesity Podcast. I'm Charlotte Skeins, and I'll be sharing ways to regain control over your body and lose an extreme amount of weight naturally. Being fat is about so much more than just the food. It's about your relationship with food. That means that dealing with your weight is about more than just the food too. You have to change that relationship. You have to start disrupting obesity. Stop exercising to lose weight. Is that a clickbait title? You betcha. Is it going to piss a lot of people off? Uh, Probably. Do I care about either one of those things? No, I sure don't. Because when you get right down to it, and if you make it into this episode, you're going to see that I really do mean it, and I make a pretty good case. I'm getting a lot better at it, right? I don't have a choice. It's figure out how to articulate myself on this or quit. Because every time I post anything where I talk about the cold, hard, and very true truth that you don't have to exercise to lose weight, every single time they come for me. The weight loss and exercise influencers and fitness lovers who believe that exercise is the only way. And it's always on the same grounds with the same arguments. And when I start to lay them out, you're going to see that they're all really clearly missing my point. And it's a point I need to be able to very coherently communicate. But please understand something. I've got absolutely zero interest in converting these people. None. And whether it's fitness trainers who want to talk about the other health benefits of exercise, or when people come for me when I use processed foods or artificial sweeteners, I'm not here to convert anyone. I'm here to meet people where they are. Nutritionists and fitness professionals have been reaching for the obese for decades, just stretching out their hands and waving us on over. We have the solution. It's this workout and those foods. And if you only knew about the overall benefits of lowering your sodium intake and how exercise helps with your mental health, they've got the information and they're clinging to it like a life raft and they're just waiting for you the drowning person, to swim on over into their waters and they'll hand it to you and that'll fix everything. Problem solved. Clearly. I mean, the obesity crisis is well in hand, right? It's been on a steady decline for decades now. Oh, oh no. No, no, wait, I'm wrong. It's actually the opposite. But they keep reaching and we keep saying, no thanks, I'm pretty used to the water over here, and I don't like the water you're swimming in. I don't think it's for me. I don't want to alternate lifting with cardio, and I have no interest in tracking my macros and switching to whole foods. But they keep reaching, screaming at us to swim, screaming so loud that they can't hear a word that we're trying to say back. I say we need to meet people where they are. So when I deal with the comment section... When Gwendolyn pops on by for some derision and judgment, the first thing I say to myself before I respond is that my answer isn't for her. It's for everyone else who's going to read my response. Gwendolyn isn't coming around to my way of thinking anytime ever. But I don't want anyone else to think that I agree with her. I can't condone her vitriol with my silence. She wants to know, what about your part health? What about your arteries, your bone density? One Gwendolyn asked me, how will the insides be strong? I told her that if someone doesn't do anything about their weight because they believe they have to exercise to lose it, their heart health, arterial health, bone density, they're already in trouble. The insides aren't going to get any stronger if they stay obese. By telling people the truth, 
that they don't have to exercise to lose weight. There's at least the chance that as they get their weight under control, they'll be able to do something with movement and exercise too, right? So far, I've only blocked one person and it was over my position on exercise and significant weight loss. And I didn't block her because we disagreed. I've got no problem with disagreeing. I blocked her because after I'd respectfully explained my position, including which parts of her argument I agreed with, after I explained it more than once and very thoroughly, I was done. And I just stopped engaging in the dialogue, right? I was just smashing my head off the wall. Her answer to that was to start coming to other commenters and coming for other commenters and not people who had engaged with her. And then she started name calling. And I'm just not having that. It's my page, my party, my house, my rules. You don't get to walk into my kitchen and start calling my guests names because they like the cupboards and you don't. And if you can't relate to not wanting to exercise, why are you engaging with posts that are for people who don't want to exercise? right? Like I don't give a shit about Gwendolyn and her abs and the way running 12 miles a day keeps her energies balanced. Like I'm happy for you, but what are you doing here? Right? Here's the thing too. And I danced around this just a minute ago for a bit. The reaching doesn't work. The nutrition and fitness professionals have had the floor for a long time now and things are getting exponentially worse. And yeah, we can blame the food companies and the government regulators and the policymakers and the marketers and advertisers, but it's not getting us anywhere. And it's definitely not helping the people who are in trouble right now. Telling people that they need to exercise to lose weight has backfired splendidly. The diet and exercise myth has made the obesity crisis infinitely worse. And it's been the predominant medical solution for weight for an extremely long time right? Diet and exercise, diet and exercise, diet and exercise are the only way to lose weight. Your social media, the magazine racks at the checkout, the waiting room at your doctor's office, everywhere you look, the messaging is that diet and exercise is the way to go. And sure, it's one way to do it, but it's not the best way, largely because it's not the most sustainable way. If you like exercise, fine. Clearly, I'm not talking to you. And I seriously, seriously can't tell you how much I admire the people who lose a significant amount of weight through exercise. It's so hard to do, and it takes so much perseverance. But not everybody feels that exercise is the solution for them. For a lot of people, a lot of people, exercise is a massive barrier to weight loss. It's a giant brick wall. I knew there was a 0% chance I could lose my weight with exercise. I knew I would give up. I'm uncoordinated. I sweat a lot. I don't like exercise at all. Telling myself it was the only way to do it was fine, but I wasn't going to do it. So what was the point? And that's the problem right there. What's the point? Why should you bother if the only way to get the weight off is to diet and exercise and you're not willing to do half of the equation or you're not able to? Why should you try? Here's why. Here's why it's okay if you don't want to exercise. You're not lazy. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not doomed to be big forever if you don't want to become a gym rat. Here's why. Exercise doesn't burn nearly as many calories as you probably think it does. Sorry. A hundred calories is about two Oreo cookies, right? It's a tablespoon of mayonnaise. It's a medium-sized potato. It's less than a slice of bacon. 
To burn a hundred calories, you would have to jump rope for seven solid minutes. No stopping. You'd have to walk briskly for 20 minutes to burn those same hundred calories. You have to swim for an hour to burn 300 calories. But when I looked up that fact, the word they used was vigorously. So you have to vigorously swim for an hour to burn six Oreo cookies. So I'm going to pass. This is why they say you can't out-exercise a bad diet, because you can't. We've all been led to believe that exercise burns far more calories than it actually does. Also, I don't believe in telling people to earn food. I think it's very dangerous from a mindset perspective, but that's a whole other thing. The second part of the problem is how notoriously unreliable fitness trackers are. Okay. Stanford data shows that they've got an error rate of 27 to 93% when it comes to calculating burned calories. Yeah, it's not good. That's potentially a lot of calories, like a lot, a lot. That's what makes it so easy to blow your calorie deficit if you add back calories into your day, right? If you're adding the calories from exercise back onto your day because your fitness tracker says you burned them and it's wrong, even a little bit, the whole calorie deficit could go out the window and now you're not losing weight, even though you're exercising. So now when you step on the scale and you haven't lost any weight, it's doubly disappointing, right? Because not only were you doing the right thing with your food, you were doing the right thing and you were exercising too. So adding the calories back makes you overeat, right? But just the act of exercising has big mindset impacts on a lot of people, right? When we're exercising for weight loss, we eat more because we think we deserve it, especially if exercising regularly is new. The inner dialogue becomes, I hit the gym today, my body needs more food, I need the energy to be able to work out tomorrow, and this can be a really slippery slope for a lot of us, right? We eat more because we're hungrier, and we eat more because we feel like we've earned it, we deserve it. Exercise is discouraging when you're not used to doing it and you don't enjoy it sometimes. It can be hard to see the gains and that it takes time, right? It takes time to get used to it, time to get good at it. And when you're doing it under duress, plus you're not seeing results, it's not a lot of fun. It's not very sustainable. And if you don't like doing exercise, it really sucks. It just does. I'm sorry, but it does. And it's okay it's really okay to not like it. And I know I'm not supposed to say that, but it's not always enjoyable. It's okay if you think exercise sucks. Do I think that can change? Yeah, I do. I know it can because I'm hating exercise less and less as I go, right? It's getting easier. I'm very gradually getting better at it. And please understand that what I do isn't what most people would think of as exercise. I'm not on a treadmill or the Stairmaster. It's slow, controlled movements to build strength and muscle. That's it. It's glorified physio still at this point. But when you essentially don't move for five months, you lose muscle mass in a hurry. And that's the side of the story that Gwendolyn and her comment writing commandos miss, right? They don't stick around long enough for the cautionary tale part. So yes, I lost all my weight without any exercise at all. Zero. Kept it off for nearly 10 years. It was going super well. And then it wasn't, right? Sean and I lost our first three pregnancies in three different ways. And it got really hard in a hurry. 
I started to gain the weight back. And if you've heard me talk about this before, uh, you'll know that I didn't give a shit. It was a conscious choice for me. I knew exactly what I was doing. And I was very confident that I could get the weight back off. So by the time I got sick, when I was 32 weeks pregnant with our third son in three years, I'd gained back around 115 pounds of the 201 I'd originally lost. Worse than the weight, though, was my lack of fitness and muscle mass. So I was big. I was heavy, right? I was somewhere around 250 pounds, still only five foot two, but that weight wasn't muscle. So when I ended up flat on my back for months on end, I lost the ability to move in a big scream and hurry. My whole ordeal started with a crash C-section on day one after an airlift, which is not a great start. Um, but the reason for the lift and the section was worse, right? It was so bad that I didn't notice they had sliced open my abdomen as fast as they possibly could. Pancreas pain for me always wins. And that was what took me down. So between the severe necrotizing pancreatitis, which I'm extraordinarily lucky so lucky to have survived. And then the major abdominal surgery, I was flat out. I wasn't moving and I was too sick and too weak to even sit up. And I wish I could say those were the only two things that I was dealing with, but they weren't. There was a lot more going on than the crash C and the pancreatitis, right? Atrophy sets in way faster than I thought it did, than I thought it could, right? I've since learned that it could start as early as 10 days into bed rest. And we're talking a loss rate of about 12% a week. So I was in there for 20 weeks. And walking and sitting up in a chair were still very major events for me, even after five months when I got home. So is there a part of me that wishes I had done some exercise and gotten fitter and built some muscle, even if I, you know, put the weight back on? Yeah. And no, right? Of course, yes. I'd give just about anything, anything to have that time back that I lost with Sean and the boys. And no, because I know myself well enough to know that I lose my weight in the kitchen and with the clock. Calorie deficit and intermittent fasting. That's what works for me. And the first part is what works for everyone. The only way to lose weight is with a calorie deficit. And the second part is kind of true for everybody too, right? Most people just don't think of it in these terms, but everybody intermittent fasts. Everybody, nobody eats 24 hours a day. We've all got to sleep sometime. Something else I hear from you a lot is that you started to exercise, but hurt yourself. And now you can't exercise even if you want to. Plus everything else has just become harder. And it's not always because you tried too hard or did too much for too long, right? I'm not an expert in this field. I'm a patient when it comes to exercise. And I strongly, strongly suggest that if exercise is something you want to do, you find somebody who knows what they're doing when it comes to obesity and exercise, and you find a safe way to do it so you don't get injured, preferably one that you enjoy. But don't beat yourself up if you don't want to exercise. Even if you think you won't ever want to exercise, no matter how much weight you lose, that's fine. Despite what the buff Gwendolyns have to say on the matter, you are better off to lose weight, even if you never start exercising. You need to be in a calorie deficit. That's it. That's really it. And I know it's not simple. I know exactly how not simple it is when you're an emotional eater, when you use food as a friend and a security blanket. But maybe 
If you can divorce the calories part from the emotional part in your mind, it will get a little easier. You don't have to give up the foods you love. You don't have to throw out everything in your kitchen and go buy a whole bunch of powder proteins and vegetables and stuff. You can lose weight with the food that you have right now, right? Separate the math from the emotion. Stop confusing changing your body with changing your relationship with food. The numbers, the math, that calories in, calories out part, they're going to take care of your body while you work your way through the relationship with food part, okay? It's okay to focus on the internal side to all of this. And yes, Gwendolyn, I'm very aware of the mental health benefits that exercise brings. And yes, better mental health will help you in your weight loss journey. And yes, exercise is about so much more than making physical changes to your appearance, right? I got the memo, Gwen. But we've already established that for those who aren't in a mental or a physical position where they want to work out or they can work out, it's not going to work, right? Changing anything about the way you eat is hard enough. Motivating yourself through that is hard enough. Motivating yourself to exercise on top of all of that isn't a sustainable solution for most people. Diet and exercise isn't working. It's not the solution we need right now. And it's okay if it's not for you. Just before we wrap up today, I want to take just a quick minute and thank everybody again for all of your support. This has been a dream of mine since I was lying in that hospital bed, just convinced that I had to do something with the second chance that I'd been handed. I wasn't even out of the woods when I started believing that I, I needed to help other people. And I had absolutely no clue how I was going to do that. It hasn't been easy <laughs> to make this happen. I'm a stay-at-home mom to three very, very busy little boys. They're 10, 8, and 7. And taking care of them keeps me pretty busy. Between curling and bagpipe lessons and baseball and darts, it, there's always a lot going on at my house. But no matter how busy things get, I just I can't stop thinking about the way I felt when I weighed over 250 pounds. I can't stop thinking about how scared I was and how convinced I was that if I didn't do something about my weight, I was gonna die, but not knowing not knowing what to do or how to do it. Well, I do know now, I do know. I, I know now what you have to do to get the weight off. I've done it twice myself and I've helped thousands of other women with their weight loss too. And it feels like an incredible privilege. And I know that kind of talk can get thrown around a lot, but I almost died. So I just don't care who thinks I'm a cornball anymore. I'm allowed to be grateful and feel extremely privileged that you let me into your life and support the work that I'm doing. It means the world to me, even if I'm not very good at explaining it. And I really do kind of want to avoid sounding like a complete nutter lunatic here. Um, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to you for listening, for subscribing, for liking my posts and sending in the messages and emails that keep me going. I can't tell you how grateful. I block out the Gwendolyns from my mind. I see the negativity come in and I do my absolute best to keep strolling. I address what I can and I try to let the rest just go. I try to dispel the misinformation that they bring into my space and then let it go to stay focused on all the positivity that I get to be part of every day. I've spent years 
developing my program and pulling all of this together. Most of it was done between 8 p.m. and 3 a.m. when my boys were sleeping. I've been working one-on-one with people and in groups and virtually, and now I've got this podcast and I'm really not doing so bad over on Insta. And my book launch has gone better than my wildest dreams. And I just, I can't thank you enough. So it's a privilege. And I want you to know that I don't take it for granted. I had someone thank me for replying to their DM on Insta a couple of weeks ago. And she said that she knew I must have the whole world pulling at me. And I told her she was right. It definitely felt that way sometimes. But it was the one-on-one interactions where someone sends me a question I can answer or something I can help them with. That It just means everything, right? I, I was raised to be grateful. I'm also Canadian. But the whole almost dying thing pushed me right over the edge with it. And I've got to tell you that it's kind of wonderful. I don't recommend almost dying to get here. But any way you can open yourself up to gratitude is likely a good thing. January is almost gone. And there is so much more, so much more excitement to come this year, including a cookbook that's coming out in the spring. Anyway, keep tracking, keep trying, don't be intimidated and don't give up. You've totally got this. Now, if you're looking for a link to my new weight loss workbook, I've put one in the caption as well as a link to my free guide for getting started for the last time. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Obesity with Charlotte Skeynes. If you know it's time to take back control, lose the weight and keep it off, reach out to me privately with a direct message on Instagram that says ready so you can start disrupting obesity.